Welcome to Grace. My name is Brian Wilson, lead pastor here at Grace. And so for all of those who are here and all of those who are watching us online, we are so glad that you are able to be with us here today. It is truly a special Sunday. It's just part of the worship service that we call an offering. It's, it's, it's a time for us to really think about all the things that God has given to us. And God hasn't just given stuff to us so that we would just have more and more and more, that we would consume more and more. He's given things to us so that we would use them in part of his ministry. That's how, it's just an amazing thing about God doesn't need a lot from us, right? But he's allowed for us to receive things. He's given us things, gifts and talents and money. Why? Because he wants us to be part of what he's doing, what he's doing in this city, and I just want to thank you for your generosity. I want, to, I want to thank you for allowing for grace to still be here in this year of COVID. I want to thank you for believing in the ministry. Our, our mission is very simple. We, we want to make disciples who make disciples of Jesus. That, that we actually want to be a church that multiplies. That we want to be invested in, what, in people's lives. That we want people to come alive with Jesus. That is our hope and that is our mission. We want to make disciples who then go and invest in others and that we will invade the city with goodness and gentleness and justice and love and grace. And it begins right here, right here with each one of us. And every dollar that you give helps do that. And so we still need your money. <laughs> we do. And so there's many ways in which, in which you, you can give, but we need you to invest with us, continue to invest with us so that we can be strong in this city. And as you know, we're going through this, we are going through this series called Pray Knocks, that, that we don't want to be church with walls, we, we want to be church without walls. And I know for this year of COVID and it's still going that, that we've sort of just hunkered down, right? We got a little posse here. We got our own little group here and we're sort of doing our thing. And so that's why for the season of Lent, rather than us try to go more into ourselves, we want to go out. We want to see what God is doing. We want to, we want to say, hey, you know what? God's planted us here to, to be part of this city. And so uh, there in the back is a devotional. If you've not picked one up, we have one for every family. We also have a table back there that where you can actually give to um, continue to support the ministry of grace. But every Sunday, we want to take just a moment of the service and allow for us to, to sort of get our eyes on the city. And so each, each week, I've been having a Zoom conversation with someone who's in a different part of our city who was trying to meet the need in that city. And so this week, I had a conversation with a man named Rico Hopewell. Rico is a counselor. Yeah, he's part of Overcoming Believers Church, Pastor Arnold's church there. And, and part of uh, Rico's mission is to help folks with addiction. And so I had this great conversation with Rico, and I just want to share that with you here in our Pray Knocks moment in our service. A blessing that I see in our community, there's so many resources in our community. There's, our community is really loving. We're very fortunate to have a close-knit community, and that's a blessing. Hello, my name is Rico Hopewell. 
I'm the executive director of the Men's House Sober Living Community. Um, my specialty is I'm a licensed alcohol and drug abuse counselor. I have a lot of other credentials behind my name, but it's solely focused on substance abuse. And the burning in our city is that we have had so many overdoses within the last five years. And particularly, um, just say for instance, last month, January of 2021, there were a reported 34 suspected overdose deaths within the Knox County area. This month already, there have been 24 overdose deaths in our community. And that's a burden. Yeah, um, I just think in the church, a lot of times we tend to to sweep up under the rug mental health issues or substance use issues. Now we can bring to the light everything else uh, because it's comfortable conversation because it's comfortable to talk about immorality. It's comfortable to talk about uh, sexual acting out or it's comfortable talking about uh, drinking and or gluttony or all those things. But when we start talking about mental health issues or substance use issues, no one wants to talk about it. And if you look across the congregations, a lot of people struggle with mental health issues. A lot of people struggle with substance abuse issues. And I challenge everyone, you know someone in your family or friend that has either a mental health issue or a substance use issue, or they have co-occurring issues. But we don't want to talk about it because it's so taboo. No one wants to say anything because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So I just think that we, as a body, not just each individual church, but as a body, we need to start talking about this and bring light to this darkness because people are dying. These kids are dying. There are kids committing suicide who are 20, to 30 years old. There are kids that are overdosing that are 20 to 30 years old. These are not the junkies that we saw on the, you know, on the news back in the 70s and 80s. These are kids that are in the basement carrying these backpacks around. I don't know why everybody carries backpacks around. Um, that bothers me. But they're carrying these backpacks around and they're downstairs playing these games and they're using them. I just want to say, um, if you know someone that is struggling with an addiction or mental health issue, um, please reach out to them, especially during this time. Um, and if you can't help them, please find some help. I can be found. I have a lot of resources, and I would love to help someone. So I prayer with me. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we just thank you. We just thank you for this opportunity that you have given us to shed light on such a dark issue. Father God, we just ask you to protect those that are struggling with mental health issues and substance abuse issues, Father God. And may you just show them that you are the way, Father God. Your word says that we seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness and all these things will be added unto us. And Father God, I believe that once the person seeks your face, the thing of recovery and mental health will be brought to life. Father God, I just thank you for this opportunity to speak with Pastor Brian and may this congregation open their eyes and take the veils off their eyes when they see someone struggling, Father God, that they just go to that person and just, just with empathy and love and concern, not beat them up with the Bible, Father God, but just show them love and empathy, Father God. And I just ask you to watch over our city during this time, Father God. Watch over this city, protect our children, protect our teachers, protect our pastors, protect everyone in the city, Father God. It's a trying time for everyone, Father God. And we just thank you 
for everything, Father God. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, Father God, so that we can now help other people and show them the way, Father God. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to put up some a uh, couple of slides here uh, when, Rico and I, when Rico and I were talking. So the first slide is last year, in 2020, in 2020, we had uh, 371 people die. They overdosed deaths. Now, how many, how many days are there in a year? 365, right? So 371 people died in 365 days. So now we're in 2021, right? Up until this day, I haven't checked this morning, but 60 people, 60 people have overdosed that died because of overdose, and we've only lived this year in 58 days. That's, all, that's like one person a day. And you know what the average age is? It's 25. And these, aren't, these are folks mainly in West Knoxville. That's where we are, right? It's time for us, I believe, that as we're, as we're praying, the first thing is that we've got to pray into this. Because someone is wanting to take our younger generations. And there's something about those in your 30s, you're responsible for, you're responsible for the 20s. In the 40s, we're, we're actually responsible for the 30s. In the 50s, well, I'm 50, we don't really care. But, um, no, really. But, I mean, it's time for us, I know we're thinking about all of our lives, how to live healthy and everything, but there is something going on in our city. And that, that's something that, that we want to pray for. So maybe this week, the first thing we do is let's just pray. Let's just begin to pray over this week as we pray for Knoxville. You can do that. You can join myself on Mondays, Danielle on Wednesdays, Andrew on Fridays at noon on our Facebook page if I figure out how to do it. And we, we talk a little bit more about Pray Knox. We're in the middle of a, of a, of a study walking through the gospel of John, line by line, verse by verse. And uh, today, we're still in chapter 1. Chapter 1 is a long, long, long chapter. But today, we're in chapter 1. And I'm going to go fast. Usually, I go slow. I, I do run slow. But, uh, but I'm going to go a little fast today. And we're going to start in verse 32 and go all the way to the end, which is verse 42. Ten verses today. And what I'm going to share with you today is five names. I want you to see five names about Jesus. And then there's a five-fold pattern that we see here. And in the very end, we see these words. We are introduced to Peter. Well, not his, that's not his real name. It's the name that Jesus gives him before we come to the table. Five names about Jesus, a five-fold pattern of how we are to be as disciples, or how we are to be as a church. And then we'll look at the life change of Peter. Then John gave this testimony. He said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. That's Jesus. And, as, and, and, and I myself did not know him. This is great. I love what John says. I didn't know who he was. I, I, I didn't know who Jesus was, what he looked like. But then this is how John knows. He said, but the one who sent me, that's the Father, the one who sent me to baptize with water told me the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain it's the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. That word remain is a key word throughout the entire gospel. I've, I have seen, and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, 
the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following, asked, what do you want? Other translations say, what are you seeking? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. Another key word throughout the whole gospel. So they went and saw where he was staying. And they spent that day with him. We'll come back to that. That's amazing. They spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be Cephas, which is translated Peter. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a story uh, about this, this philosopher. His name was David Hume. He lived in the 18th century in London, England. Um, he really didn't believe in God. He, he, he didn't really believe anything that the Bible said, nor did he believe anything about the Christian faith. And, and there's a story about how, how he was walking down the street one day, and he meets his friend, and his friend's like, Whoa, David, what are you doing? Where are you going? He's going, I'm going to go see George Whitfield preach. Now, George Whitfield was in the 18th century in London. He, he went around. He was this great revivalist. <laughs> and the guy's like, come on, you don't believe what he preaches? And Hume says this, no, I don't. But he does. But he does. Now, I don't believe what Whitfield is saying, but, but Hume says, but, but he does. Whitfield does. And this is sort of the key theme throughout the entire Gospel of John. It is about belief. It, it's sort of one thing, sort of the know about Jesus, but as Hank Dye always tells me, but do you know Jesus? Do we actually believe who Jesus is? Do we actually believe that he's the living hope? Do we actually believe it? Because we're, we're living in the world, they're asking those who are followers of Jesus, do you believe this? And I believe, oh, I believe. That's the question of the day. And so I love this part of the Gospel of John, this chapter. Because we get all these different names of Jesus. The first thing, the first name that we, we see is that Jesus is the dove bearer. Jesus is a dove bearer. That, that Jesus is the anointed one. We, we, we see this in scripture, right? That what happens is the backdrop of this is that, is that there was a belief that there is an age right now, but then there will be an age. There is going to be this age when the Spirit of God will come. We see this in Joel. We see this all the way through the prophet Jeremiah. And we see it all the way through the prophet Isaiah. That, that there's going to be a day when the Holy Spirit will come. And, and what John is saying early on is that, no, the Spirit has come. 
That, 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 that this, this, this day, this age, it's over. Now we're in this, the age of the spirits. We're in the age that the Messiah has come, that there is this new age, that Jesus is the anointed one. The next name that, that we meet with Jesus is this, it's this name, God's chosen one. God's chosen one. He is the appointed one. Jesus, the dove bearer, the anointed one, which is really interesting to think about. Dove, right? Because when we see the Spirit of God in the New Testament, we, the first thing that comes to mind is, is in the book of Acts. When the Spirit of God comes, what happens? It's tongues of fire. But when we think about a dove, we're like, oh, innocent dove, peaceful. We don't get the fire. We get the dove. When we think about dove, you know, we think about like when, when Noah was in the arky arky, right? And he's trying to figure out, hey, uh, is there still water on, on the land? So he sends out the dove. And dove comes back and brings an olive leaf, and he knows, okay. God's judgment, God's wrath is over. He waits some more, sends out another dove. Dove never comes back. We, we, we see the doves as a way of, 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 of these animals sort of given, given to us to, to make an offering. And so if you were poor, and we see, we see Mary doing this and Joseph doing this, when they're, when they're, when they're taking Jesus to the temple to consecrate them, what, they, they, they sacrifice these, these doves. And then Jesus tells his disciples, right, hey, in the world, right, I want you to be wise as serpents, serpents, right? I want you to be wise, but then I want you to be what? Innocent as doves. And Jesus is the chosen one. He is the appointed one. And as the anointed one, as a dove, he, he is this innocent, holy, peaceful, bringing justice, resting on him. Spirit of the Lord is upon him because he's God's chosen one. The Greek here is, is very interesting. It, the Greek reads, the select one of God. Other translations say, the son of God. And when you take the whole book of, of John, there is only one major idea that John wants us to get out. And in John 20 and verse 31, all he wants us to know is the true identity of Jesus. He wants us to know that Jesus is the Son of God. And he writes at the end of the gospel, right? There are many other things I could share with you, many more miracles, many more things that Jesus did. But I want you to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the chosen one. That's a radical belief. For the Jews believe that, yes, Jesus is, is Mary's son, and, and Jesus is a great teacher. The Muslims believe that Jesus is a great teacher. He's a man of great wisdom. Eastern religion believes that, yes, Jesus is this great teacher, and, and, and he's a great prophet, and some put them up as a god with all the other gods that they worship. And New Age would say, well, 
hey, Jesus, does this person just have wisdom for my life? But the Christian faith, we say, no, he's God's chosen one. He is the son of God. See, the problem of sin was so big to God. It's not big to us at times, but it's so big to God that God sent his only son not to condemn the world, but, but to rescue the world, to restore the world, to restore us back to God. And he sent his only son to do that. And so the next day when all this happens, there is John again with two of his disciples. We know one of them is Andrew. And, and we don't know the other person's name, but we got a feeling, and we got a hunch, and it's John, the author of this gospel. And, and, and they're there with, with John the Baptist, they're part of his, his disciples. And then John sees Jesus walking by again. He says, look, the Lamb of God. And we talked about this word last week. Look, the word is behold. The word is, hey, the word is filled with tremendous enthusiasm and energy. Sometimes it's hard for us to sort of muster. But John was jacked up for Jesus. When he saw him, he's like, look, there is Jesus. And he still had it. It didn't fade away. He was really excited about Jesus, that there is a level of enthusiasm. We are the bearers of good news, right? We, we, we worship Jesus, the living hope, right? His spirit, if you believe Jesus, his spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And there should be some joy, and there should be some life, and should be some enthusiasm in us. And he says, look, the Lamb of God. We talked about this last week, right? That Jesus, he's the atonement. That's a, that's a heavy word, but what that means, you break it down, it means at one meant. Is that through Jesus' life and, and through his death and through his resurrection, the prophet Isaiah would say that the Messiah would come and the Messiah would suffer. And he would take upon us all the iniquity of the world, and then he would be like a lamb led to the slaughter, and he would be murdered, and his blood would be shed. But through his sacrifice and through his offering, we would have peace with God. Peace with God. Peace with God costs God his only son. That's how God sees sin. He sees it in the world. He sees the brokenness. He sees these, sees these addictions taking over this generation. And I wonder what he thinks about us when we just keep going about our lives. These are trapped. Because the enemy has come across our generation has trapped them. But God is the one who restores it. There's healing. There's life. And Jesus, he is the only one that makes us one with God. And then we see the other title, rabbi. That's what they call him, right? They call him rabbi, which, and John tells us, which means teacher. I see him as someone to follow, but what really what, what the word rabbi means is it's much more than this. It's the archetype. It's that I, I want to I leave my life here, and I want to I follow you because you're the rabbi. You, you, are the, you are the one that I want to imitate on how to live. Jesus is our rabbi. We, we sit with him. He teaches us. 
He shows us how to live. He is the archetype of how we are to live today. You know, we say that we are about making disciples who make disciples, and a disciple is someone who follows Jesus, someone who's being changed by Jesus, and someone who's on mission for Jesus. And the market and the archetype for all that is Jesus, because that's who he is. And the last word is probably the, the biggest word. It's the word Messiah. What John tells us means Christ. Jesus was referenced many times as Jesus of Nazareth. That's, that's where he was from. Jesus, the son of Joseph. But Jesus Christ means Jesus is the Messiah. He is the hope. He is the answer. And there's 300 messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. Jesus fulfills all of them. The chance of that is a miracle. And many of the prophecies Jesus had no control over, that he'd be born of a virgin, he'd be born in a certain place. What John's saying is, this is the one, as Andrew told Peter, this is the one that we have been longing for, the one who's going to bring us, the one who is God's anointed one who is going to lead us into this new age, who is going to restore everything. Jesus is a dove bearer, right? All the way through, Jesus is the Messiah. I love how, how Jesus sees, he stops, and he looks, and he, and he sees these two who are following him. And he asks this question, what are you seeking, right? Another translation, what do you want? Which is very interesting. It's the first time that we hear Jesus speaking in this, in this gospel. And we think about the first question that God speaks in the Bible. And the first time God speaks is in the question. It's in chapter 3 of Genesis. And he asks Adam and Eve why are you hiding? It's a deep question. Here Jesus turns to Andrew and John and says, What are you seeking? What I see here is a pattern that, that what we have here is the beginning of the church of people gathering around Jesus. And there's sort of this five-fold pattern in which we see here. If you note here, it sort of begins here. They heard John say, look, the Lamb of God. They heard the true identity of Jesus. Then they followed him. Then they hung out and were just being with Jesus. And through that encounter with Jesus, just being with him, they went and found someone they loved, and they brought him to Jesus. I think this is a five-fold pattern for the church. This is a five-fold pattern for our lives. The church is to proclaim the true identity of Jesus. Right? This is who Jesus is. This is the good news that, that we are to hear it. 
But it's not just here, it's that, that there's this response that we're going to follow, that we're to leave this life, one rabbi, and then we're going to submit and, and allow for him to be our new rabbi, our archetype. And then we're just going to sit with him. Mark, Mark says this in his translation, that Jesus called 12 to be with him, and then he sent them out. That there's a sense of not just, not just like, hey, I'm with you, Jesus, but there's a sense of just sitting with Jesus, hearing who he is, reading his word in this conversation of just, there's this moment that before we do anything, that we're just to be in the presence of Jesus. And we know we're not sure what happened there. And I think all of us would love to find out, like, what did you guys talk about? What what did you discuss? But all we know is that encounter with Jesus was so profound that Andrew had to go find his brother. He didn't wait. He says, you know what? I got other things to do. He didn't go back to fishing. That something happened, that encounter with Christ. And I believe in our world today, as people of the word, we also need to be people of experiencing Christ. The Bible says that that when someone sees us, that what? We are to share with them the hope. The hope that what? Lives in us. There's got to be a reason for the hope. We're not just here to consume, but we're here to, to meet with Jesus. And there's this meeting with Jesus. And what happens? Then what? Andrew goes and finds Peter. And he says, we have, I have found the Messiah. And he brings him to Jesus. And he brings him to Jesus. I believe the harvest is plentiful. But Jesus said the workers are few. I can follow Jesus, but I'm willing to find people for him. That's my experience with him. And my, do I love him to the point I want to share him with those I love and bring him to Christ. Andrew brings Peter Jesus. But his name's not Peter. We find out his name is Simon, son of another John. A lot of Johns. And we have this pattern. Jesus says, you are Simon, son of John. You will be. You're not right now, but you will be. Cephas. Which means in the Greek, little pebble or kicking pebble. And he goes rock, Petros, Peter. I love Peter. God, through Jesus, prophesies over his life. I'm not sure if you ever had someone in your life that says, You are here, but you will be here. Peter had no idea what, what would happen with Jesus. That, that he had no idea that one day he would walk on water and then all of a sudden drown. That, that he had no idea that one day he'd cut off someone's ear because they were coming after Jesus. He had no idea that he would, he would ask Jesus to stand down. Jesus told him that he would betray him three times. No way! 
that, that Peter, when he betrayed Jesus, he went back to fishing. But Jesus meets him in John 21, one of my favorite chapters, and restores him and says, this is not who you are. Do you love me more than this life? Because you are Peter, and upon you, I'm going to build my church. Boy, it gives me hope. I hope it gives you hope as well. Peter blew it, and he blew it. He was impulsive, and he was stubborn. I love that about him. He was real. He wasn't afraid, but then he got afraid. But still, Jesus called him as a leader in the church. I think we have this myth. I think it's a lie, actually. We say, well, in order to be a leader in the church, you got to know all these things. you got to do all these things. you have to go to these schools, which you go to another school, and go through all these interviews, do all these things. And I was thinking, well, where did Peter do that? And so we feel like, well, I'm not qualified. I pay people to do that, but it's not for me. I'm not qualified. I want to say is, is look at Peter. He's the greatest example, right? You are. I'm Brian's son, a Bill, but that's not who you're going to be. See, God has a bigger picture for your life if you let him speak to you. You're much more than just a wife or a husband or someone who works. You're much more than that. God has something, has given you something for much more to participate in what he is doing. And he had to wait till chapter 21 to get Peter back into the fold. Come on, man, let's go. I love this, you are, but you will be. What a great God. Doesn't see all the things that I have done. He sees who I will be. And he calls me not out, but he calls me up. This is who you are as a church, but this is not who I want you to be. I want you to be about the city. You are, but you will be. And he even changes his name to symbolize that. Today we celebrate the sacrament of the the Lord's Supper. This is the meal that Jesus had with his most treasured ones. Night, our Lord was betrayed according to Scripture. The Lord took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner after supper, our Lord took the cup. And this cup is the new covenant sealed by the shedding of my blood. As often as you drink from this, do this in remembrance of me. Or as often as we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the the risen death of our Lord. And he's coming any moment. 
Let's pray. All the way through Scripture, Lord, you see us, and then you see more than us. You see Abraham, and you say, no, you're going to be a father of nations. You see Moses, a murderer, and you see him as the one who's going to go free his people, free your people. Jonah, Paul, Peter, throughout the scriptures, God, that you are making something new. Lord, I pray that you have much more for us. And so I pray in this, in this service here, as we gather around your table, Lord, as you take this bread and this wine, set aside from its sacred purposes, and allow for it to be used, O oh Lord, for your holy purpose. Oh Lord, we pray as we gather here, Lord, we know we don't come as strangers, but we come as brothers and sisters. We know, Lord, that it's in this meal that where we feel the full embrace of Jesus, that we become and truly commune with him here, Lord. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. So I pray, God, in this season, in this moment, we need you. There are people on our mind, Lord, that, that we need to start praying for. Start praying for the city, Lord, interceding on your behalf. Rising up as a church, rising up as disciples, rising up, Lord, and calling us up. It's the Lord in this moment. Will you come and meet us here? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.